Now broadcasting from his hidden bunker and fully stocked bar, it is the Saturday Report with Hope Sebastian Taylor. Thank you and welcome once again, my friends, to the Saturday Report with me, Colt Sebastian Taylor, adventurer, entrepreneur, and amateur turkey. And welcome to AWSM Radio, an independent, digital-only radio station that plays today's best music, old-school classics, along with a rotating cast of all-star DJs. AWSM Radio focuses on mainstream artists, independent artists, along with a variety of interesting talk and music shows throughout the day. All we do is entertain, inspire, and inform. And my friends, I want you to engage with me, be part of the show, part of the conversation. So, follow me on Twitter, Rizzle, Instagram at Colt S. Taylor. And, uh, you know, send me a message there. I'll be more than happy to chat with you if you, if you think I need to cover something or if I'm missing something. And, of course, as always, you should already have it bookmarked. Go to ColtSebastianTaylor.com, see what I'm doing, see what I'm up to, see my adventures on there. I mean, it should be the first or fifth thing you visit every morning. All right, my friends, let's get started with this week's Saturday Report. So this past week, it was Thanksgiving. Hope everyone had a good meal this past Thursday. I myself had lamb. Decided to change it up this year. Uh, but, you know, there is a pandemic going on. So hopefully you weren't with a group of 100 strangers or 100 distant family members because that is, uh, that's how the Rona gets you. That's how it gets you. Uh, but here in Pennsylvania, which I am based out of, um, and I'm sure this is what is everywhere else in, in, in the United States. The day before Thanksgiving is the biggest drinking night of the year. Bars sell the most drinks. It's the most alcohol consumed. It is not New Year's Eve. It's not someone's birthday. It's not Christmas Eve. It is the day before Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving Eve. Why, you ask? Well, actually, it makes sense if you think about it. Uh, Thanksgiving is a time where everyone goes back home. So you have college, you have college uh, students coming home to see old high school friends. You have uh, people coming to visit their parents, seeing old old pals, old buddies, whatnot. And everyone usually goes out the day before Thanksgiving and have have a drink. That's a lot when a lot of people get together and reminisce and hang out and reconnect with friends and family members. Well, um. Hanging out in close groups amongst other people in uh, restaurants and pubs and bars. Not exactly the recommended CDC way to fight the coronavirus. So here in Pennsylvania, much to the uh, upset, upsetment, uh, upsetting many, many people, uh, the health department actually banned alcohol sales at restaurants and bars after 5 p.m., um, on Thanksgiving Eve, only resu- resuming them the next day. So basically, on Thanksgiving Eve, uh, if you wanted to go out and have a few drinks with a pal, with friends, you, you should have done it after about 1 p.m., between 1 p.m. and 5 p.m., because after 5 p.m., they were not allowed to serve alcohol uh, after that time to help sort of you know, corral the coronavirus outbreak. Because, listen, I don't know where you're listening to this around the world or in the United States, but uh, numbers, they be a-spiking. And they be a-spiking here in Pennsylvania as well. Um, in fact, in fact, uh, on Wednesday, Thanksgiving Eve, 
Uh, just sitting, sitting at the computer, minding my own business, playing out my Rizzles, because I'm on Rizzle all the time. And my phone buzzed, and it was an emergency alert, like the Amber Alert or Tornado Warning. The Your phone buzzes, that loud, obnoxious, is the world-ending buzz. And it was a coronavirus warning, because like, listen, if you're going out, don't and wash your hands, because hospitals are at capacity in some areas. So it's a real thing. Listen, don't let your crazy uncle tell you. So uh, I don't know what your experience was like in your area, whether things are starting to lock down, whether things are, you know, kind of iffy. But wherever you are, my friends, please wear a mask, wash your hands. Don't get too close to grandma. You want to make sure everyone makes it to next Thanksgiving. We're almost there. We're almost there. Vaccine's coming, hopefully. So just hold tight. Uh, But hope you had a very good meal because I tell it. It's Saturday, and I had mine lamb on, on, on Thursday. I'm still a little sleepy. A little sleepy. I'm a little sleepy from the lamb. It was very good. All right, moving along. On to the world of movies and entertainment. Jaws, Finding Nemo. Both water-related movies. But do you know there is a what they have in common? I'll wait. That's my that's my ticking sound effect. Uh, Bruce, that's what they have in common. So you might remember in Finding Nemo when um, the clownfish and uh, the uh, other fish uh, came across sharks. One of the sharks was named Bruce. Hello, Bruce. Um, you remember that? Okay. So it's funny, though, because the name Bruce, because in the movie Jaws, the nickname for the fiberglass model they used to film it they nicknamed it Bruce. So that was the sort of the inside joke uh, on Finding Nemo, why the shark was named Bruce. Anyways, Bruce, the real Bruce, the fiberglass Bruce, the shark that they used in Jaws, uh, they made a few of them, actually. And uh, the funny story is none of them worked very well. I mean, this was the late 70s, so there wasn't CGI. Everything had to be done by models. <laughs> and uh, they wanted to have the shark where they we could move and mouth around and bite and, you know, look around a while and not look like a shark. But each time they used it, it either looked terrible or the thing would break down and uh, they couldn't use the shot. So they decided just to show the fin and use music and use suspense to let you know that the shark was in the area, but you couldn't see it. And actually, it made the movie a whole lot more suspenseful. But, you know, at the very end, they did have a shark eat uh, quince. Uh, at the end and blow up the shark at the very end of the movie. They, they, they did get one working well and whatnot. One sank, I think. But one of the last surviving Jaws models, Bruce, is going on display at the at the Motion Museum of Motion Pictures. Uh, so the large fiberglass shark they use in Jaws on the actual set of the actual movie is now going on display um, and, uh, when you, when, when you can go back to museums again, you should definitely check it out. I mean, I love movie trivia and movie sort of behind the stories, things like that. So I think it's funny that they couldn't get the shark to work. Like, well, we'll just show the fin and use John Williams dramatic music to, to let the, like, oh, there might be a shark there. And, uh, it worked out really well. So if you are in the, I think this is museums in California, if you check it out, Send me a picture. Let me know. It, I mean, it's it's huge. It's the, it's a real scale model of a shark. So it's not a a little thing. It, it's a big thing. It was supposed to be in the water, 
and supposed to be on like remote so it would pop out and attack people. But like I said, they can never get, never quite get it to work right. Never like, mm, not quite there yet. Uh, but, but now, now it's a classic. Just the first Jaws. Jaws 2, 3, 4, and were there more than four? I don't know. Obviously, they weren't that great, but the first one, that was a real good one. Moving along, we head to Utah, the great state of Utah, known for the great Salt Lake City and it being Utah. Well, anyways, it's now known for something else, a mystery. So, out in the wild areas of uh, Utah, the wildlife game officials have to go out and sort of do an animal census to get an idea of how many animals are roaming out there. So they'll go up in a helicopter and they'll fly around a few days out of the year and you know, take rough counts of, okay, yeah, there's you know 30 bison here, 100 bison there. There's the, you know We saw a herd of mountain goats here whatnot because it helps them sort of protect the environment by knowing how many animals are out there. Well, while on a helicopter, uh, these wildlife and game officials saw something weird down in a canyon, like something caught their eye, a, a, like, a, like a little flash of light. So they landed, and in this canyon was about a 10-foot-tall metal monolith. Now, a monolith is just this tall rectangle sticking up out of the ground, and immediately the thought of, like, a 2001 Space Odyssey, you know, when the monkeys touch the monolith and they suddenly gain knowledge and whatnot, so... And they were really weirded out. No one really wanted to touch it just in case something would happen. But, you know, they touched it. They worked around it. And it's just some metal monolith that someone put in the ground. But um, no one knows who put it there. Now, they thought that maybe something had fallen out of the sky and sort of impaled itself into the ground. And But there's really no evidence of that. But it looks like someone came here, hauled this heavy piece of metal into this canyon by hand, and installed it down there, and just left it there, hidden. Like, you can't see it walking by. You have to be practically over the canyon or down in it to come across it. It's really, really, really weird. Um, but, you know, there's it's not magical as far as anyone can tell. It's just this art installation that someone put in there, and they don't know when. They think it's relatively new, but they're not sure. And they finally came across it. So for me, and already people have figured out where this is and people are traveling there and taking Instagram pictures with it, standing on top of it, doing funny things with it and whatnot. I mean, people are already traveling through the deserts of Utah to find it now. But what I, I like is that hopefully there is somebody who, I mean, I hope like they did this months ago, maybe years ago, put it in there and just has been waiting checks the news every day to see if anyone has said anything, and now suddenly this is like front page news in some areas that this weird metal monolith was found, and now people are going to it, and I mean, if I was an artist and I had that sort of long-term, uh, this will be real funny when, when the payoff happens, I mean, bravo, bravo, sir, I mean, my, my, my pith helmet is off to you because that's some grade A planning to make something really amazing happen. And I just, I'm very, I am very entertained by this, that someone went to the trouble, put a monolith, put a, I mean, it's not, it's not like it's a cheap thing. It probably cost a few thousand bucks to machine this, put it together, 
sneak out there so no one saw you, installed it into the ground so it doesn't fall over, leave, and then wait for someone to come by and find it. I mean, fantastic, amazing stuff. So whoever you are there, sir or madam, um, well done. Well, well done indeed. Next up, my friends, I have two stories for you. They're related because they're both about football and they're both about COVID-19 impacting these football games. First, I take you to the SEC Vanderbilt football. Uh, I don't know if there's any Vandy fans out there. I think they're called that. But uh, there might be history made in the SEC at Vanderbilt when a uh, woman takes to the field. It could. There's an option uh, a lady could take the field as a kicker in the game. Actually, a game today, actually. They're playing at noon. So uh, after I go off the year, the game will start. So I don't know if uh, she will make an appearance or not. Uh, I will follow up on this for you next week. But her name is Sarah Fuller, and she is a goalkeeper. Uh, but she's she's a hell of a kicker. All goalkeepers are pretty good kickers. And she can really kick a ball real good. The problem is, like, why, 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 why is, why is, why is a lady being on a college football team? What's that all about, Colt? Well, COVID-19 has sidelined their main kicker. Their main kicker has, is out with COVID-19. Their backup kicker is okay, but apparently is real bad at doing field goals. It's like a 30%, uh, a 60% miss rate, basically. You know, more often than not, misses. Uh, but uh, Sarah Fuller here, she's very good at kicking kicking footballs, and she is an option for the Vanderbilt football team um, this Saturday, oh, today, later today, later today. It's uh, pretty, pretty amazing stuff. I mean, there's, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, it's, there's no rule that she can play there, but uh, she could be the first woman to play in Power 5, a Power 5 football game be a very historic moment um you know it's it's it COVID-19 is taking folks out of football and giving opportunities to other and uh so she may or may not play I will follow up on this for you next week but uh she will be in uniform and is an option for this for this game um in other college football news uh a historic game between Wisconsin and Minnesota has been called off. Minnesota and Wisconsin have a 114-year history of, of of playing every year uh, for the um, for the for Paul Bunyan's axe. I guess it's a thing out there in the Midwest uh, where there's this huge axe and the winner gets to take the axe home with them. The Wisconsin Badgers and the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Their annual battle has been canceled due to you heard it, COVID. 19. Uh, apparently, uh, nine players and six uh, staff members have COVID 19. Uh, Minnesota, yeah, yeah Minnesota. Uh, so they can't get the um, outbreak under control. So, for the safety of the players, they have to uh, cancel the game. And unfortunately, because of this, uh, that means the Badgers will be ineligible for the Big Ten playoffs. Um, you know they they've had to cancel a few other games in the this year because of COVID nineteen, so they just don't have enough. They don't have enough games to make the playoffs. I mean, it, there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, Wisconsin Minnesota had the longest uninterrupted in, uh, in uninterrupted streak of playing each other in the FBS. They have faced off every year since nineteen oh six. 
since 1906. Uh, they basically were interesting fact, which I was unaware of, but I guess if you're a big Badger or Gopher fan, you'll be aware of this. They were they were playing for Paul Bunyan's Axe, but prior to that, they played for the quote-unquote Slab of Bacon, which I guess is another Paul Bunyan reference. So that's unfortunate for them. Um, hopefully they'll get back to their regular schedule next year, but uh, their streak is broken, unfortunately. But uh, I... I can't say this is a this is a terrible decision because uh, there have been some studies showing that you know college players who get COVID nineteen and get it bad uh, end up having heart damage that impact their health long term certainly would make them ineligible for you know future NFL play so better safe than sorry but unfortunately this is another impact from COVID nineteen on football and my friends I lied I said I had two football stories about COVID-19. Turns out I have three, three, ah, 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 three football stories and COVID-19 related things. So as you know, Thanksgiving is a big day for football in the NFL. Uh, Historically, you may not be aware of this, but historically, Dallas and Detroit always play on Thanksgiving. Uh, So those two are always playing on Thanksgiving it uh, goes back years and years and years, and it was basically a marketing ploy to get more people to come to the stadium and whatnot. So they both play, always play Thanksgiving game, and they rotate opponents. Well, you know, because you can put three games in in a in a day if you if you plan things out well, the NFL added a third Thanksgiving game to rotate around. So it wasn't always just Detroit, just Dallas, but they could get six teams playing on Thanksgiving every single year. Well, this year. Uh, unfortunately, there's only two Thanksgiving games because one had to be postponed. Drumroll, please. Yes, COVID-19 strikes again. The Steelers and Ravens Thanksgiving game was postponed until Sunday uh, because of COVID-19. Uh, Baltimore Ravens had a COVID-19 outbreak, so they could not perf- could not play on Thursday. So they decided to postpone it, try to get it under control. So hopefully, hopefully they'll play on um it'll play on this 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 week but you know we'll we'll see what happens um and this is the second time actually the Steelers have been who are ten and zero which hey good good on you my friends or this is the second time a game has been impacted by them due to COVID nineteen I believe in week four the Titans the Texas Titans. Are the Houston Titans or Texas? The Titans, where where were they play? I don't know where they play. Um, they had a COVID nineteen outbreak, so they had to cancel that game and well postpone that game to the Steelers' bye week. So they had to take a really early bye week, and now they are going to get like a mini bye week by doing a game on Thursday. They have to wait ten days, take ten days off, and then go to the next game. Now they're just doing a regular schedule now, so they have been impacted twice by COVID nineteen. Uh, but again. They're still 10-0. They're a favorite for the Super Bowl. We'll see. Uh, tell you, big fan of the Steelers, Lieutenant Governor, Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman of Pennsylvania. Uh, he has been on Twitter a lot talking about election stuff and then reminds everyone, since he's some of a guy in the national spotlight, reminds everyone that the Steelers are 10-0 and the Dallas, they stink, which I can't disagree with. Not a fan. Sorry. Sorry, my Texas friends, but, you know, you're Dallas. We all know that everyone doesn't like your team. Just saying. But, uh, 
you're still my pal, pal so no, keep keep listening, keep listening. But anyways, uh, that's those are three three football stories impacted by COVID nineteen. Uh, so it's it's everywhere, folks, and it's affecting a lot of different things, a lot of different things. But I'll tell you what remains unaffected by the COVID-19, by the Rona, by restrictions, by lockdowns. That's my boy, DC, and his show, DC Live, in effect, here on AWSN Radio. DC is our in-house DJ, and he mixes it up every Friday night at 9 p.m., Sundays at 10 p.m. You do not want to miss out while he smashes it. On the ones and twos kicking the beats from South Florida every week. I mean, you, you, you can't miss it. All right, so Black Friday, obviously, you're out shopping online. You shouldn't be in crowds. You listen to D.C. You're saying to yourself, boy, that's great. I wish I could listen to D.C. one more time. Well, my friends, you can. Sunday nights at 10 p.m. If you missed him at Fridays at 9, catch him at Sundays at 10. Follow him on Instagram and the Rizzle. He's one of my pals on there, so we're, we're, we're besties. And uh, he is fantastic. So, DC Live, in effect, every Friday at 9 p.m., Sundays at 10 p.m. here on AWSM Radio. So now that I've plugged my good friend DC, you're thinking beats, you're thinking music, you're thinking of dancing, now it's time to go to something even more epic. Books! That. I guess that was, a, that was a pretty rough transition there. Yeah, so I'm talking about books now. I'm not releasing an autobiography. Uh, not yet, my friend. No, I'm talking about book publishing. Uh, Penguin Random House is the largest publisher in the United States and amongst the world one of the biggest. And it is to buy, it's going to buy Simon and, and Schuster, 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 for $2 billion. $2 billion. $2 billion. Uh, creating the first mega publisher. Now, Simon & Schuster are owned by, well, they were owned by CBS Viacom. Uh, they're selling off this uh, part of their business because they're concentrating on streaming. They don't think books will be a big part of their future revenue stream, and they decide to you know, get a cool $2 billion from Penguin, Peng, Penguin Random House and uh, make this new publishing firm. Um, now, the whole world of publishing books has had a rough time. There's a lot of mergers and whatnot. Uh, Simon Schuster, I think I mentioned this, is the third largest. So number one and number three combining is going to be a real big publishing. So obviously, Shane Self Cult, that sounds pretty big, but are there like you know antitrust issues with books? That seems a little that seems a little silly. Well, there are, my friends. Yes, there are. This is going to be examined by the Justice Department. Already, several organizations representing authors are calling for the Justice Department to block this deal, saying it will make it harder for other authors to break into the business, reduce competition, because they'll be the biggest one. So they'll be the gatekeeper to getting your book books published. Um, and uh, I don't know if what's going to happen with that. I mean, this is going to be taking place next year. We're going to have a new sort of uh, government in place and see what happens. The Justice Department, whether they will look into this or put certain restrictions into place. Um, it's uh, it's a be very, very, very interesting. Like I you know, they sometimes stop phone deals and they'll stop other deals. Uh, I don't think they ever stopped up like a book publishing deal like this before. Uh, not that I'm aware of. And whatnot, but uh, this is a big, big deal in the in the publishing world. A lot, a lot of publishers are merging, are merging, or selling off. 
okay, together. It's a very expensive uh, business, and uh, you know they don't really take chances on you know Colt Sebastian the Colt Sebastian Taylor story. You know they're like, oh, Stephen King, here's a pile of money. We'll make a pile of money with this. All right, fantastic. So, anyways, uh, something to watch to see if um, this will go through and how this affects books all over the place. Uh, big, big business news: Penguin Random House buying Simon and Schuster. Sure, I feel like I, I feel like I'm saying that wrong. Sorry, Mister Schuster. Penguin Random House, Simon and Schuster. Hmm. Uh, two billion dollars. Wow, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. So, uh, you might want to uh, see maybe maybe come next year if this goes through. There might be more books available. There might be less books available. We'll see what happens. Moving along to some sadder news. Uh, Ed Murray, the brother of Bill Murray, passed away this week. Ed Murray is widely regarded as being the inspiration behind the movie Caddyshack, which um, it it's an amazing movie. You got yourself, you know, the Bill Murray, the Rodney Dangerfield, Chevy Chase, uh, several other people in there. Uh, fantastic movie. And um, good soundtrack, too. You know, very, very, very good as well. Uh, but Ed Murray was a caddy along with the other Murray brothers and his experiences in the Caddyshack. And with the caddies, uh, the stories that they told uh, led to led Harold Ramis, the late, great Harold Ramis, uh, played Egon on Ghostbusters, to write Caddyshack. He wrote he wrote that movie with with uh, several people, and uh, the stories of the Murrays helped <laughs> helped shape that movie. Uh, all the Murray brothers are in the Caddy Hall of Fame because they're all caddies growing up. Uh, they're all avid golfers. In fact, you may remember in a previous a previous Saturday report that the. Uh, the Bill Murray and his brothers have a golf shirt company and were engaged in some playful legal back and forth uh, with the Doobie Brothers. Uh, they're, so they're, they're big, big golfers, big golfers, have always been big golfers. And uh, unfortunately, the inspiration for the movie Caddyshack, Ed Murray, uh, passed away. So kind of, it's kind of a sad week in the Murray family and whatnot. And uh, be it that Caddyshack is one of my favorite movies, wanted to bring it up, bring it up give a tip of my pith helmet uh, over that way, and uh, hoping everyone still go- does well over there. And if you haven't seen Caddyshack, first, you're a fool. You're a fool! It's a classic movie. Uh, Caddyshack 2 is alright, but first Caddyshack, the gopher, is alright. Oh, fantastic. So many good lines. So many good lines, too. So check it out uh, in honor of the great late Ed Murray, and uh, it's a great movie. Next, we stay with movies, and we go to the world of Harry Potter, specifically the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. As you may know, this movie takes place before Harry Potter, but uh, still has like a younger Dumbledore, and his conflict with, uh, with uh, Gaelic Grindelwald, the world's most dangerous wizard, until he who could not be named came along. And uh, in the first movie, it was revealed that Colin Farrell was him all along, but when they did a spell thingy, it turned into Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp was playing Garrick Grindelwald, uh, but he's not playing him anymore. He lost a libel case in the UK. Uh, he was he he sued a newspaper who you know documented various incidents of domestic abuse. He lost the case, sort of confirming everything was true. So Warner Brothers asked him to resign from the movie. He did. He's still fighting the case, but. You still need a 
Grindelwald. You still need someone to play this character in the final movie. Uh, I think it's the final movie. I think they're only doing three. Um, so there's a lot of talk about who is going to replace Johnny Depp in this movie. Some were saying, hey, you know, Colin Farrell could come back and do some sort of magical thing and whatnot. Uh, th- this is actually, actually uh, not the first time there has been a major cast replacement in these movies. In the first two Harry Potter movies, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone and the Chamber of Secrets, Dumbledore was played by Richard Harris, a very old, very great actor, very amazing actor. Um, But he passed away. He passed away, and he was replaced by Michael Gambon, who was Dumbledore for the rest of the movie. So, actually, most people just know Dumbledore as him, and actually, a lot of them kind of forget that Richard Harris played Dumbledore in the first two movies. Well, anyways... The person that was selected to replace Johnny Depp as Garrett Grindelwald is Mad Mickelson. Mads Mickelson. Um, he, you may remember, uh, played a James Bond villain in Casino Royale. He also was in the series Hannibal. A uh, few, I think, I actually don't know how many seasons of Hannibal there was. One or two or three. He played Hannibal. An amazingly, amazingly talented Danish actor. And uh, you know what? He's got a... Let's just say, not, usually not a good guy face. He just has kind of a villainous face. And I think he's going to be very good in this. He is a very talented actor. And uh, I think it's a good repl- I, th- I think it's a good pick. I think it's a good pick. Um, I saw the first movie. I saw most of the second movie. I feel like I need to watch the second movie again before I see the third movie. Um, there's a lot of criticism about these movies of not being as great as the first ones. But, I, you know... I like them. I mean, maybe I have lower standards uh, than, than other people. I'm not as picky, but I think they're fun movies. So I'm looking forward to seeing him take over this role. Uh, Jude Law plays Dumbledore, a young Dumbledore in this movie. And uh, it should be uh, it should be a good one. I think there, obviously there will probably be some sort of final battle between them two. Um, you might remember the Dumbledore versus Voldemort battle in... Um, I forget what movie that was. That was pretty epic. So this one should be should be pretty good too. So, anyways, uh, Johnny Depp is being replaced by by uh, Mads Mikkelsen to play Garrick Grindelwald in the third Harry Potter Harry Potter prequel. Wow, that is a mouthful of words there. <laughs> Speaking of replacements, uh, whoever you are listening to right now. On the radio between 5 p.m. and 7 p.m., get rid of them and replace them with my good friend Rox. Unless you're already listening to her, then things should remain status quo. But between 5 and 7 p.m., Monday through Friday, listen to my pal Rox in the Rox Sessions. It's a drive time show, making sure uh, to make your evening commute home fun, featuring the hottest music on the charts and some surprises in between uh this show will rock rock style because it's hosted it's hosted by my good friend rocks she is fantastic tell her that cult sebastian taylor sent you because it'll be funny uh, that she'll say please stop telling people that they say that's really annoying so that'll be funny that happens but my friends 5 p.m to 7 p.m on awsm radio listen to rocks and the rock session, you will most definitely enjoy yourself. So, my friends, we all travel, we all drive, and you have surely at some point seen uh, a, a deceased wildlife by the side of the road hit 
hit by a car or truck, and you know it's it, no one no one enjoys seeing that whatnot, and no one enjoys what happens to them. They cause major damage. People are killed every year in wildlife collisions. Uh, it's a serious problem. Um, but in some areas, they have come up with a way to um, help animals get across a major highway. They build a wildlife overpass, a wildlife bridge. So from one part to the other part where wildlife can walk across above the traffic and get to the other side of the highway without, you know, trying to jump a median and try to get between cars and whatnot. And uh, in Utah, they built uh, the first wildlife bridge in Utah. And uh, it's not just like a bridge. It's like, well, I mean, it's a bridge, but the top of the bridge isn't like pavement. They put down rocks and boulders and plant a few fake trees so it looks like the natural surroundings. And they set up some cameras to see, you know, let's see what's going on here. And uh, a lot of animals are using it, like coyotes and bears, baby deer, uh, little mice, squirrels, bobcats, wolves. They're all going across this highway. Upper, uh, I think some some bison. Yeah, I think some bison out there. No, maybe not even just been a big bear. But the wildlife are going across this bridge during day and night, and this camera is filming them and taking pictures. They kind of count to see which way animals are going and who's using it and whatnot. And they are delighted, delighted that it's working uh, very, very well. It's working wonderfully. And other states have used this uh, and with, with, with success. It's a good way to reduce the collisions of animals. Now, obviously, the bridge is not cheap to put up and not cheap to maintain, but the, the saving of animal life human life, and the cost of damage of vehicles, I think the bridge pays for itself. So if you haven't seen the video, pop online. I saw this video all over Twitter this last week of the just cute little animals just moseying around, weaving between rocks as cars and semis are zooming underneath them without a care in the world. And uh, they feel that, uh, you know, they might try a few more in other some high collision areas and a uh, good way for animals to travel back and forth. Once they know it's there and they get used to it, they will they will use it more often and show their offspring how to use it. So I would not be surprised, my friends, um, to see more of these, especially in mountainous areas, uh, as a way for, to have animals get across a highway without uh, it causing uh, a major, major problem. So check out the video. I think you'll be delighted. I, it's, it's, hard. it's hard to have good news these days, but... This is something very sweet you can watch yourself and feel good feel good watching this wildlife bridge in Utah helping deer, bears and other critters cross cross the cross the highway. No chickens yet, so that joke keep that in your pocket, but all the other wildlife in Utah are using this bridge. Moving along to TikTok, one of the most popular uh, one of the most popular. I mean, listen, I'm on TikTok, so it's not that popular. But a popular social media channel, TikTok, as you know, uh, got the ire of President Trump over the summer when uh, a bunch of TikTok users kind of trolled him at his Tulsa rally. Well, uh, maybe because of that, maybe not. Uh, it's been ordered to sell itself or face a ban from the United States, which has a lot of users in the United States. And its parent company, uh, ByteDance, uh, came up with a deal. Uh, and this happened late summer that, you know, you better figure something out by this date or you're going to be banned 
figured something out, so the band's still out there, but not really put into place just yet. Uh, they had uh, basically until this week to finalize the deal, but got a one-week extension. Uh, so the deadline's now in, Dece- in December. They are aiming to sell their assets to uh, Oracle, which is a famous technology company, and Walmart, which is, for me, a strange, strange choice. I mean, they're not choosing. They're just selling to the highest bidder. But strange that Walmart wants to get into this game. I guess they they feel there's some money to be made here with their future products and whatnot. But um, Walmart and Oracle are going in, it to, in together to... Um, to to buy it to buy TikTok, TikTok's U.S. assets. So there's still gonna be a TikTok International, but everything involving TikTok in the United States uh, will be owned by these two companies if the deal is finalized. Uh, the idea is that uh, TikTok is felt to be a national security threat because it has ties to the Chinese. Um, uh, Communist Party there. Uh, it's already banned in India, which, uh, you know, with one billion people there, that's a good chunk of the population that cannot use TikTok, which is why they are using Rizzle with me. Cheap plug. But um, we'll see what happens here. They were hoping with the new president coming in, Biden, that the position on them would change, but there really isn't anything coming out from the uh, Biden camp of their position on TikTok, so they've got to plow ahead anyways. Um, you know, if if they were going to hold tight, you know, they might have been, might have been banned for a month or two, and then the new president would change change role, change the uh, ban there. But uh, with nothing really firm in hand, oh, they decided to go forward with this. So by this time next week, perhaps we will have new owners of TikTok in the U.S. Could be Oracle and Walmart. Um, maybe they'll get another extension. Maybe they'll fall through. I don't know, but it's something interesting to be paying attention to, and uh, especially if you're on TikTok, because this could directly impact you and your content making. But uh, very very interesting to see if this works out, if the new owners actually own this part of TikTok, or this is just all for show. Very, very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. Finally, my friends, for my last story today, congratulations to Claire. Who's Claire? Oh, just a sassy lady from Scotland. She's a Scottish Deerhound and this year's National Dog Show's Best in Show. Uh, It's a national competition of dogs. It aired on Thanksgiving, uh, but it was recorded earlier this month due to COVID-19 concerns. Had the competition in an empty stadium. No no crowds were allowed, just dogs and their handlers. Uh, But uh, this uh, very beautiful, very lovely dog, a Scottish Deerhound, won Best in Show. Last year was a Bulldog. And that just goes to show you, my friends, uh, anyone can win, and every dog <clears throat> has its day. Huh? Huh? Uh, I am hilarious, right? Well, my friends, that just about wraps up another Saturday report with me, Colt Sebastian Taylor. I hope you've had a lovely Thanksgiving and a continue to have a good Thanksgiving week, uh, weekend. Thank you for joining me here today. Remember, remember, my friends, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Rizzle at Colt S. Taylor. So please be sure to find me there. Hit me up, engage me. Let me know if I'm missing a story you think I should cover or you think I'm doing a terrible job. You can yell at me there, too. Lots of people yell at me there, too. So, hey, more than matter. I do enjoy the engagement. And, uh, of course, of course, if you haven't already, bookmark 
uh, cultsebastiontaylor.com, where I post adventures every day, do a little brand ambassadorship, so you definitely should check that out. Sometimes I get my hands on some very nice discount, discount codes. It's very nice indeed, so check that out. Should be, you know, if not the first, the third or the fifth website you visit every day. And uh, I will see you next week. So until then, my friends, I am, of course, your friend, Colt Sebastian Taylor, and I'll see you later.